Episode 3, Chapter 3, The Innocent Perception. Welcome back. I hope you had a wonderful week and are looking forward to continuing this journey. We are in Chapter 3 of uh, Course in Miracles. And the first, cha- uh, the first part of Chapter 3 is Atonement Without Sacrifice. This is on page 36. We are introduced to what sacrifice really means. It is not a part of God's God's vocabulary and totally miscreated by man. Evil does not exist. We have miscreated this idea and have given it a life of its own. Evil is man-made and not of God. So in paragraph one, a further point must be perfectly clear before any residual fear still associated with miracles can disappear. The crucifixion did not establish the atonement. The resurrection did. In sentence five, it says, if the crucifixion is seen from an upside down point of view, it does appear as if God permitted and even encouraged one of his sons to suffer because he was good. This particularly unfortunate interpretation, which arose out of projection, has led many people to be bitterly afraid of God. In paragraph two, it says, the best offense, as always, is not to attack another person's position, but rather to protect truth. It is unwise to accept any concept if you have to invert a whole frame of reference in order to justify it. This procedure is painful in its minor applications and genuinely tragic on a wider scale. Perception frequently results in an attempt to justify the terrible misperception that God himself persecuted his only son on behalf of salvation. The very words are meaningless. And sentence seven of that same paragraph, in milder forms, a parent says, this hurts me more than it'll hurt you and feels exonerated in beating a child. Can you believe our father really thinks this way? It is so essential that all such thinking be dispelled that we must be sure that nothing of this kind remains in your mind. I was not punished because you were bad. In paragraph three, the statement, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord is a misperception by which one assigns his own evil past to God, his own evil past to God. The evil past has nothing to do with God. He did not create it and he does not maintain it. God does not believe in retribution. His mind does not create that way. He does not hold your evil deeds against you. It is likely that he would, is it likely that he would hold them against me? In sentence nine, it says, this kind of error is responsible for a whole host of related errors, including the belief that God rejected Adam and forced him out of the Garden of Eden. In paragraph four, it says, sacrifice is a notion totally unknown to God. It arises solely from fear and frightened people can be vicious. Sacrificing in any way, is a violation of my injunction that you should be merciful even as your Father in heaven is merciful. In paragraph 5, start of paragraph 5, it says, I have been correctly referred to as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. But those who represent the Lamb are bloodstained. Those who represent the Lamb as bloodstained do not understand the meaning of the symbol correctly understood it is a very simple symbol that speaks of my innocence 
The lion and the lamb lying down together symbolize the strength and the innocence are not in conflict, but naturally live in peace. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Chapter 6, sorry, paragraph 6 says, Innocence is incapable of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. It cannot project. It can only honor other minds because honor is the natural greeting of the truly loved to others who are like them. In sentence five, it says the atonement is entirely unambiguous. It is perfectly clear because it exists in light. On the next page, on page 38, sentence four, innocence is wisdom because it is unaware of evil and evil does not exist. It is, however, perfectly aware of everything that is true. The resurrection demonstrated that nothing can destroy truth. Good can withstand any form of evil as light abolishes forms of darkness. The atonement is therefore the perfect lesson. It is the final demonstration that all the other lessons I taught are true. If you can accept this one generalization now, there will be no need to learn from many other smaller lessons. You are released from all errors if you believe this. The next section is called Miracles as True Perception on 38. Paragraph 1, sentence 1 says, I've stated that the basic concepts referred to in this course are a matter of degree, are, are not matters of degree. Certain fundamental concepts with a, cannot be understood in terms of opposites. It is impossible to conceive of light and darkness or everything and nothing as joint possibilities. They are all true or they are all false. Paragraph 2 says, Innocence is not a partial attribute. It is not real until it is total. Sentence 5 in that same paragraph says, Innocence or true perception means that you never misperceive and always see truly. More simply, it means that you never see what does not exist and always see what does. On the next page, on page 39, sentence 4 at the top says, The miracle perceives everything as it is. If nothing but the, the truth exists, right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perfection. I have said that only what God creates or what you create with the same will has any real existence. Paragraph 4, sentence 2, The mind can miscreate only when it believes it is not free. An imprisoned mind is not free because it is possessed or held back by itself. Paragraph 5 says, Nothing can prevail against the Son of God who commands his spirit into the hands of his Father. By doing this, the mind awakens from its sleep and remembers its Creator. All sense of separation disappears. The Son of God is part of the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity itself is one. There is no confusion within its levels because they are of one mind and one will. Sentence 7 says, Yet this vision can be perceived only by the truly innocent. Sentence 9 says, Understand the lesson of the atonement. They are without the wish to attack and therefore they see truly. Paragraph 7, sentence 4 says, Truth overcomes all error, and those who live in error and emptiness can never find lasting solace. If you perceive truly, you are canceling or canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others simultaneously. 
Because you see them they as they are, you offer them your acceptance of their truth so they can accept it for themselves. This is the healing that the miracle induces. On page 40, let's turn to the next page, is perception versus knowledge. Perception involves interpretation. How can you interpret something you don't truly understand? Illusions and debunking them is your first step. Knowledge is the goal. So in the first paragraph, sentence three says, to know is to be certain. Uncertainty means that you do not know. Knowledge is power because it is certain and certainty is strength. Paragraph two says, all your difficulties stem from the fact that you do not recognize yourself, your brother or God. To recognize means to know again, implying that you knew before. You can see in many ways because perception involves interpretation. And this means that it is not whole or consistent. Sentence six says, questioning illusions is the first step in undoing them. Paragraph three says, the questioning mind perceives itself in time and therefore looks for future answers. The closed mind believes the future and the present will be the same. This establish a, establishes a seemingly stable state that is usually an attempt to counteract an unlying fear that the future will be worse than the present. This fear inhibits the tendency to question at all. Paragraph four, true vision is the natural perception of spiritual sight, but it is still a correction rather than a fact. On the next page, on page 41, sentence 10 says, knowledge is the result of revelation and induces only thought. Even in its most spiritualized form, perception involves the body. Knowledge comes from the altar within and is timeless because it is certain. To perceive the truth is not the same as to know it. Paragraph 6, sentence 6, perception can and must be stabilized, but knowledge is stable. Fear God and keep his commandments becomes know God and accept his certainty. Paragraph 7, sentence 7 says, there are no strangers in God's creation. To create, create as he created, you can create only what you know and therefore accept as yours. God knows his children with perfect certainty. He created them by knowing them. He recognizes them perfectly. When they do not recognize each other, they do not recognize him. The next part is error and the ego. And if you turn to page 42... On sentence six, it says, spirit has no levels, and all conflict arises from the concept of levels. Only the levels of the Trinity are capable of unity. The levels created by the separation cannot but conflict. This is because they are meaningless to each other. Paragraph two says, consciousness, the level of perception, was the first split introduced into the mind after the separation, making the mind a perceiver rather than a creator. Consciousness is correctly identified as the domain of the ego. The ego is a wrong-minded attempt to perceive yourself as you wish to be rather than as you are. In paragraph 3, sentence 4, a separated or divided mind must be confused. Sentence 7 says it must 
sorry, this makes its aspects strangers to each other, and this is the essence of the fear-prone condition in which attack is always possible. Sentence 9 said, this is why you cannot escape from fear until you realize that you did not and could not create yourself. Paragraph 4 says, right-mindedness is not to be confused with the knowing mind because it is applicable only to right perception. On the next page, on page 43, sentence 6, the mind returns to its proper function only when it wills to know. This places it in the service of spirit where perception is changed. Paragraph 6 says, and sentence 3 says, the interpretive function of perception, a distorted form of creation, then permits you to interpret the body as yourself in an attempt to escape from the conflict you have induced. Spirit, which knows, could not be reconciled with this loss of power because it is incapable of darkness. This makes spirit almost inaccessible to the mind and entirely inaccessible to the body. In paragraph 7 at the bottom of that page, sentence 5, oh, sorry, 3, I was a man who remembered spirit and its knowledge. As a man, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge, but to correct error from the bottom up. I demonstrated both the powerlessness of the body and the power of the mind. By uniting my will with that of my creator, I naturally remembered spirit and its real purpose. The next page is page 44, and at the top, sentence 12, many are called, but few are chosen, should be all are called, but few choose to listen. Therefore, they do not choose right. The chosen ones are merely those who choose right sooner. Right minds can do this now, and they will find rest onto their souls. God knows you only in peace, and this is your reality. The next part is beyond perception. So beyond perception, the separation is when we choose to follow our own minds and left the unity of the Trinity. We chose free will and left behind the will of our creator. Then we created a world for ourselves and we have been judging and perceiving our brothers, sisters, and creator ever since. So in the first paragraph, it says, I have said that the abilities you possess are only shadows of your real strength and that perception, which is inherently judgmental, was introduced only after the separation. No one has been sure of anything since. I have also made it clear that the resurrection was the means for the return to knowledge, which was accomplished by the union of my will with the Father's. We can now establish a distinction that will clarify some of our subsequent statements. At the bottom on paragraph four, it says, The fundamental question you continually ask yourself cannot properly be directed to yourself at all. You keep asking, what it is you are. This implies that the answer is not only one you know, but is also one that is up to you to supply. Paragraph 5 on page 45. Knowing is, is not open to interpretation. You may try to interpret meaning, but this is always open to error because it refers to the perception of meaning. On 
Paragraph six, prayer is a way of asking for something. It is the medium of miracles, but the only meaningful prayer is for forgiveness because those who have been forgiven have everything. Sentence five says the prayer of forgiveness is nothing more than a request that you may be able to recognize what you always already have. Sentence seven in that same paragraph says you have lost the knowledge that you yourself are a miracle of God. Creation is your source and your only real function. Paragraph eight at the bottom says what happened to perceptions. Oh, what happens to perceptions if there are no judgments and nothing but perfect equality? Perception becomes impossible. The next page, page 46, paragraph nine, sentence three, spirit knows God completely. That is its miraculous power. The fact that each one has this power completely is a condition entirely alien to the world's thinking. The world believes that if anyone has everything, there is nothing left. But God's miracles are as total as his thoughts because they are his thoughts. Paragraph 10 says, as long as perception lasts, prayer has a place. And the last sentence in that paragraph says, know yourself in one light where the miracle that is you is perfectly clear. The next section is called judgment and the authority problem. I went to paragraph two, sentence four, judgment always involves rejection and never emphasizes only the positive aspects of what is judged, whether in you or in others. Sentence seven says, one of the illusions from which you suffer is the belief that what you judged against has no effect. This cannot be true unless you also believe that what you judged against does not exist. You evidently do not believe this or you would not have judged against it in the end it does not matter whether you your judgment is right or wrong either way you are placing your belief in the unreal this cannot be avoided in any type of judgment because it implies the belief that reality is yours to select from paragraph three says you have no idea of the tremendous release and deep peace that comes from meeting yourself and your brother's totally without judgment. At the bottom of that page, sentence seven says, it is curious that an ability so debilitating would be so deeply cherished. Yet if you wish to be the author of reality, you will insist on holding on to judgment. You will also regard judgment with fear, believing that it will someday be used against, next page, 48, you. This belief can exist only to the extent that you believe in the efficacy of judgment as a weapon of defense for your own authority. Paragraph six says, God offers only mercy. Your words should reflect only mercy because that is what you have received and that is what you should give. Paragraph seven, sentence two says, there is, however, only one cause for all of them, the authority problem. This is the root of all evil. Every symptom the ego makes involves a contradiction in terms because the mind is split between the ego and the Holy Spirit so that whatever the ego makes is incomplete and contradictory. Paragraph 8 says the issue of authority is really a question of authorship. 
When you have an authority problem, it is always because you believe you are the author of yourself and project your delusions onto others. Sentence 4 says, This is the fundamental error of all those who believe they, they have usurped the power of God. And the last sentence in that paragraph says, The dispute over authorship has left such uncertainty in your mind that it may even doubt whether you really exist at all. Then the next page on page 49 at the top, and that's paragraph 10, peace is a, is a natural heritage of spirit. Everyone is free to refuse to accept his inheritance, but he is not free to establish what his inheritance is. Sentence six says, deny his authorship is to deny yourself the reason for your peace so that you see yourself only in segments. This strange perception is the authority problem. Sent uh, paragraph 11 says, there is no one who does not feel that he is imprisoned in some way. And the last sentence in that says, in that paragraph um, says, I know what I am and I accept my own inheritance. The next section is called creating versus self-image. Um, all beliefs are real to the believer. What you choose to believe comes becomes how you choose to see yourself and others. So on chapter one, sentence six, it is a mistake to believe that a thought system based on lies is weak. Nothing made by a child of God is without power. It is essential to realize this because otherwise you will be unable to escape from the prison you have made. Paragraph two, par sentence four says, the devil is a frightening concept because he seems to be extremely powerful and extremely active. He is perceived as a force to combat with God, battling him for possession of his creations. The devil dece deceives by lies and next page on page 50 and builds kingdoms in which everything is in direct opposition to God. Paragraph 3 says, We have discussed the fall or separation before, but its meaning must be clearly understood. The separation is a system of thought real enough in time, though not in reality, or sorry, not in eternity. All beliefs are real to the believer. The fruit of only one tree was forbidden in the symbolic garden, but God would not have forbidden it, or it could not have been eaten. If God knows his children, and I assure you that he does, would he have put them in a position where their own destruction was possible? The forbidden tree was named the tree of knowledge. Yet God created knowledge and gave it freely to his creations. The symbolism here has been given many interpretations, but you may be sure that any interpretation that sees either God or his creations as capable of destroying their own purpose is an error. Paragraph 4 says, Eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge is a symbolic expression for usurping the ability for self-creating. This is the only sense in which God and his creations are not co-creators. The bottom of the page, paragraph 5 the mind can make the belief in separation very real and very fearful, and this belief is the devil. It is powerful, active, destructive, and clearly in, a, in opposition to God because it literally denies his fatherhood.
in sentence five at the very end of the page, it's end of the page. It says, "Your creation by God is the only foundation that cannot be shaken, because the light is in it. Your starting point is truth, and you must return to your beginning." Much has been seen since then, but nothing has really happened. Yourself is still in peace, even though your mind is in conflict. You have not yet gone back far enough, and that is why you become so fearful. Sentence 11 says, There is no death, but there is a belief in death. <clears throat> Paragraph 6, sentence 6 says, Life and death, light and darkness, knowledge and perception are irreconcilable. To believe that they can be reconciled is to believe that God and his son cannot. Only the oneness of knowledge is free of conflict. Your freedom is not of this world because it was given you from beyond this world. That is the end of chapter three. It is a short chapter. And I want to add in this that all beliefs are real to the believer. What you choose to believe becomes how you choose to see yourself and others. This is the end of the third chapter. It seems difficult at first to comprehend how much power we truly have. At times we feel so powerless and alone. We feel this way because we choose it. I remember spending extra time on this chapter as it was somewhat mind-blowing to me when I first read it. There is no devil. The tree of knowledge that Adam took the forbidden fruit from was just our decision to move away from God and our ability to create like him. Life is eternal and death is our creation. Wow, I thought to myself, how can that be? It continues and it gets even better. This is the journey that we've joined together on and it only gets better. Have a fabulous week and until next week, love always, Denise. <laughs>